0: morning everyone you can open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 2 this morning we will be reading verses 6 through 15 but we'll be focusing our attention on verses 8 9 and 10 now by way of reminder what's happening in the book of Colossians the Apostle Paul is in prison we think that he was in Rome And he got an update from the church in Colossae that there was some false teaching that had made its way into the church. Now, we're not quite sure what form it took. But one scenario that might have taken place is that there was a man that was kind of like a shaman that thought that he had some spiritual insight, some wisdom that he was sharing with the church. A Sunday school teacher maybe who read on Wikipedia something new and exciting and he was going to share it with everybody and get everybody enlightened. You see, he was teaching the church in Colossae that they needed more than Christ. That they needed to follow His rules, His rituals, His taboos, His law. But the Apostle Paul is teaching The church in Colossae and he's teaching us this morning, the word of God is teaching us that we need nothing but Christ alone to have spiritual fullness. So let us turn our attention now to God's word as we see it written in the book of Colossians chapter two, starting in verse six. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. This is God's holy word. Let us pray. Blessed you are, Lord, great God. For the testimonies of the prophets, we bless you. For the statutes of your law, we bless you. For the gospel of Christ and the witness of the apostles, we bless you, O glorious God. Grant us now the spirit of your glory and the brightness of your presence, that we might read and hear your word. And understand it. And we pray this all through Jesus Christ, our gracious Lord. Amen. Don't be taken captive. It sounds like something you might hear in a World War II movie or a spy film where a CIA agent has a secret And he can't be taken captive by the enemy because it will put in jeopardy the entire mission. Yet here in our text, the Apostle Paul exhorts the Colossians in verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive. Don't get caught. Don't get stolen. Don't allow yourself to be drawn away from Christ. You see... The false teachers in Colossae were seeking to captivate hearts through a teaching that sounded important. It sounded satisfying, but ultimately it was false. It was empty. Look at the rest of verse 8 and see how Paul describes this false teaching. He says, don't be taken captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world. Whatever it was that was attractive about this teaching, Paul is saying, this view of the world is vain. It will not give you what it promises. It is deceitful. It's not rooted in truth. It is from human origins, and therefore it is not divine. And it is pagan according to a false view of how the world came into being and how the world continues to run. And therefore, to follow this path is to be taken captive. It's to be stolen into falsehood. And most importantly, Paul adds at the end of verse 8 that this teaching is not according to Christ. For Christ is not empty. He is the fullness of God. Christ is not deceitful. He is the truth. Christ's message is not of man, but from God Himself. And Christ does not share power with pagan spirits, but the world was created through Him and for Him. And yet we are all in danger of being taken captive by something. We are in danger of being taken captive with the idea of achievement, engrossed with success and promotion and accreditations. Others of us are consumed with our hobbies, our with sports, our vacations, our art. Many of us have been captivated by the pursuit of money with nothing on our minds but to accumulate more and more and more. Many of you here this morning are captivated by fear. Your mind and your heart have been stolen away by anxieties about what you will eat, what you will wear, how you will keep your children safe. But the Word of God is telling us this morning that if we are captivated by anything other than Christ, we are following after lies and emptiness and disappointment. We are pursuing fullness down a path that will lead us nowhere. It will lead us to emptiness. To give in to these temptations is to be taken captive by an enemy. So don't believe the lie. Do not be deceived by these tricksters. If you would find fullness, you must seek it in Christ alone. Now, The first reason that Paul gives for why we can have fullness in Christ alone is because, look down there at verse 9, for in Him, that is in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells. In the Nicene Creed, we declare our belief that Jesus Christ is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, of one substance with the Father. And these are not empty phrases imagined by the minds of men. This is not mere human tradition that began at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. No, these words are a reflection of the biblical truth that in the person of Jesus Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells. It's important to see the choice of words Paul uses here to make his point. You see, there are some that have argued that Jesus was God only in far as God came to live inside of Jesus. So they have in their minds something like, one day God was in heaven looking down and saying, hey, that man down there, he's pretty righteous. He's living a good life. I'm going to go and live inside of that man, Jesus. And then Jesus, poof, became God. But this is not at all what Paul is saying. When he says that the whole fullness of deity dwells in Christ, he doesn't mean that God is alien or separate from Christ. The deity does not live in Christ the way that you live in your house. The deity is not just staying with Jesus. Jesus does not possess the deity as something foreign to his person, like a t-shirt that he is wearing. Rather, Deity is His person. Or His person is deity. He is the same God as the Father and as the Holy Spirit. He is the same in substance, equal in power and glory. As Christ lives, the deity lives. Everything Christ does, God does. You see, Paul is saying quite simply but quite profoundly, Jesus Christ is God and if you want fullness in life then you must seek it in Jesus Christ alone for there is no other source that can give you the fullness that your heart was created to enjoy everything in this world was created through him and for him including you you were created by Jesus Christ to be satisfied in him alone And so to pursue the fullness your heart desires in anything other than Christ is to seek an empty and deceitful path. Will you fill your soul with money? Will that fill you up? Will you fill your soul with food or golf or vacations? Is there anything in this world that will fill you up? It's only in Christ That the fullness of God dwells. And it is only God that can fulfill your longings to be captivated by something. And so if you would find fullness of life and satisfaction, it cannot be found in pleasure or achievements. If you're seeking understanding and wisdom, it won't be found in human traditions and political systems. If you are seeking peace and rest, it won't come through fear and anxiety. The fullness that you desire may only be found in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is God. So Paul has told us that we are to seek fullness in Christ because He is God. But how am I to know this God? If God is holy and transcendent and above us and full, full of all that we need, what chance do I have of connecting with this God? Of being filled and being captivated by Him? Well, Paul answers this question at the end of verse 9 in one word. He says, if you look down there in your text, for in Him, in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Bodily. You see, Jesus Christ does not exist as God long ago in a galaxy far, far away. The gospel of Jesus Christ does not begin with once upon a time. Now, honestly, it might feel like that sometimes. You might be willing to say, yes, I accept that Jesus Christ is God But how can that make a difference in my life now? That happened so long ago. It seems like it was a completely different reality. How may I come to experience God in Jesus Christ today? Well, here we see the answer to our question. You see, Jesus does not just exist as God in some hypothetical or alternate reality. He lives as God bodily. Or as the New Living Translation says, in a human body. Jesus is God incarnate. The fullness of God dwelling as a human being. So there is the great historic doctrine of the church before us. The divine tradition, not the man-made tradition. Jesus Christ lives and reigns not just as God, not just as man, but fully God and fully man in one person and two distinct natures forever. This means that God is no longer inaccessible. He's not pie in the sky by and by. He is close. He is a brother. He is in every way like you except without sin. And so all the fullness of heaven has been opened up to you because God the Son put on human flesh and is now currently dwelling in bodily form. All the fullness of life is available to you because Jesus Christ became man. He humbled Himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And then He was raised by God to sit on the eternal throne of heaven. Now, it's always nice to know someone that has the inside track. One time I went to a conference in Greenville, South Carolina, and I happened to know one of the associate pastors of the church where it was being held. We had gone to seminary together. So during one of the breaks, I asked him if there was a place that I could go and do some sermon prep. And so he let me use this great conference room. He shared with me the Wi-Fi password that was just for the staff members. And he even let me use the copier. You see, this was exclusive treatment. Not everybody got the inside track like I did, but because we had a connection, we had a background, we shared something, he opened up to me all the benefits of working at this church. And because Christ came as a human, we have the inside track to deity. We can know God through Him alone. We can be in relationship with the very God that made us. And He can pour out His fullness upon us because Christ is man. Now, it's important to see that Paul does not say that Jesus dwelt, past tense, in bodily form. Your text does not say he dwelt in bodily form, but that he dwells, present tense, in bodily form. Jesus is right now God dwelling in a human body. So often we forget the fact that Jesus didn't give up His body when He went to heaven. He remains a human being in a human, although resurrected, body. The Gospel tells us that by the resurrection, the very dust of the earth is now sitting on the throne of heaven. Your brother, Jesus Christ who according to the flesh is one with us, is now at the very right hand of God. Right now, the living, breathing human being, Jesus Christ is in heaven and He's reaching His hand out to you. And He is saying, I am your brother. I became man that you might come and have fullness in God. The reality is that Jesus remains in the flesh. He is still our brother, eternally united to His people. So come to Him, now weak and weary sinner who has been bruised and broken by the fall and see that our Savior's arms are there to bring you in and give you fullness untold. This world is not as good as it gets. This is not all that there is because Jesus Christ came and died and rose again. The gates of heaven have been opened and you are now called to partake of Him. Because He has a body. Because He has blood. We can connect with Him and we can receive from Him. And you are called to this fullness of the eternal God in the human being, Jesus Christ. Now, there's a very important note that we must make before we move forward in our discussion of receiving fullness in Christ. There are some that have taken the promise of fullness in Christ, the abundant life, and used it as an excuse for seeking fullness in this world. That is, they promise Christ as the key to fullness and not fullness itself. Come to Christ, they say, and you will experience the abundant life. You will have money and success and overall good fortune if you only come to Jesus and follow His ways. This type of theology abounds in American Christianity. And the abundance, the fullness that they teach about is just another form of idolatry that is baptized with Christian themes and words. It is an empty and deceitful philosophy that seeks to use Jesus to get the things of this world. Come to Jesus, they say, and all your wildest dreams will come true. Your marriage will be fixed. Your children will be well-behaved. You'll get the job you want. You'll get into the college you want. You'll get the grades you want. You'll have the house you want. But what we need to realize is that coming to Christ means that He becomes your fullness. It means that He becomes the satisfaction that you seek. It means that your eyes are open and your heart is awakened to see that Christ is what you desire. Oh, that the evangelical church in America would learn to worship the Lord Jesus Christ for who He is, God and man, and not for what we think He will give to us if we just obey Him. For we need Christ and not the things of this world. And this is what Paul means when he says in verse 10, And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. You see, there is no power or authority in this world that can compete with Christ. The Colossians, as we remember, were being tempted to kowtow to another power besides Christ. They were being tempted to seek satisfaction in something other than the eternal Son of God. And this isn't a foreign concept to us, is it? We are tempted every day to put Christ in service to the captivating temptations of this world. We are tempted to put Him under the rule and authority of some other power. So people in our culture, for the most part, are fine with you believing what you want about spiritual things. You believe in Jesus? That's fine. But... The point that Christ is shown to be the rule and authority over your other pursuits and desires. That is when they say no good. If your submission to Christ keeps you from getting the job you want. If your submission to Christ keeps you from seeking a no-fault divorce, or maxing out your 401k contributions, or following your sexual preferences, or having a carefree retirement, if you suffer any loss for the sake of following Christ, then you will be ridiculed by this world. If you give up any pleasure or deny yourself any worldly benefit, then your Christianity will be questioned. And they will say, how can you elevate Christ above the other rulers and authorities of this world? But this is exactly what we must do. We must realize that all other pursuits, though they promise fullness, they will only bring emptiness. They lie when they promise satisfaction because they are not what you were created to be satisfied with. For every rule, every authority must come in submission to Christ alone. I began this sermon by saying, don't be taken captive. But we need to add to that command because really the Word of God is saying to us, don't be taken captive by anything but Christ. We don't want our hearts to be stolen away by the enemy, the deceitful, the man-oriented, the pagan-inspired pursuits of this world. Nevertheless, we do want our hearts to be captivated by Christ. We do want to be stolen away by Him. For the philosophies of this world are vain, but He is the fullness of God. The philosophies of this world are deceitful, but He is the truth. The philosophies of this world are just made up by the imaginations of men, but the Gospel of Christ is divine. And the false systems of this world submit to the pagan spirits, but Christ is head and ruler over all. So be captivated by the God-man who is above all rule and authority, Jesus Christ alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer, asking that we might rightly respond to the word preached. Lord, You are the author of spiritual life. And You have given us the good seed of Your Word. Grant that we may receive it into our hearts and may so guard it by Your grace against the schemes of the enemy and the cares of life that seek to steal it away. May the faith and hope and love which Your grace has brought to life within us flourish and grow to full maturity so that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ we may not be found lacking but may be abounding in all good fruit and works. And we pray this all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.